Glory to God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody that can't preach after that just can't preach. <laughs> Many times I start, and I just start out with what I'm going to talk about, give you my subject, and go right on into it. And sometimes people say, well, why don't you announce the scripture? I usually do sometime in the message. In fact, I bring you several in the message. But this morning, I'm going to give you one in the old traditional way. Read a text and then preach. So if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 45, I'm going to preach a message this morning on, what did you say? That's the reason it's written that way, so it'll get that emphasis. What did you say? It's not what did you say. My subject this morning is one more time. What did you say? I tried to find out what the, how many words the average person speaks in a day. The Internet's full of every kind of interpretation to answer that question, but it's from one corner to one corner and spread all over everywhere, and I couldn't come up with a conclusive answer. But the general uh, uh, concept seemed to be that as an average, men speak about 2,000 words a day, and women speak about 5,000. But in the defense of the females, one of them said the reason we have to speak twice as much is because we have to repeat everything we say to the men. largely true. But Luke 6.45 says something to us about our speech, about our words, about our conversations, about our hearts. This is what Jesus said. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I read that from the New Living Translation. If you're reading King James or from the English Standard, as I normally do, it's a little bit different. But I thought this clarified it and put it in the right language so forcefully and so powerfully I wanted to bring it to you just this way. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Or as the King James puts it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, bless your word today. Give anointing to declare your truth. Let it be as arrows of fire sent from the bow of your throne. Let it be that which will pierce not only our understanding, but our spiritual comprehension and bring us into a closer relationship because of our dedication, bring us into a closer relationship with you. 
minister to us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Quite a long time ago, I was developing some series of messages, and, and I called those messages, Say What God Says. I preached on that subject to this congregation. I always think about when I say this congregation, I'm referring all the way back over the years as it's changed and developed and matured and whatever. But in, in, this, in this, uh, the context of this congregation, I preached on that subject, say what God says, maybe more than one time. There's so much to be said about it, I could preach several messages on it and just let that be the theme overall. So, so I was developing this say what God says, and I, <clears throat> and I announced it in the church and said, this is what I'll be preaching on. And just about the, the week that I announced it, a national magazine, some, some international evangelist who was well-known at that time, sent out his magazine, and right across the top, his lead article was, guess what? Say what God says. And so I went to the congregation when I first preached, preached the first message, and I said, I know you, many of you got that magazine, many of you saw it. I didn't copy it from him. I'd already announced it before his magazine came out. But, but uh, he might have heard I was getting ready to preach it. I don't know. But anyway, it's a good title, and it's a good subject, and, and it's a good topic. And so I would say to you today that, if you would learn to say what God says, all of your words would be correct. They would all be beneficial. They would all be blessing, and you would be blessed, resulting from it. Now, I'm going to come back to this, say what God says, before I finish preaching this morning. But I want to go on to tell you that everything that you say is important. Now, the content of what you say may not be important. In fact, I dare say a lot of what you say isn't important as far as the content of it. I'm sorry. Um, let me say that a different way. I'm just going to go back and read. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to put down what you say. But I am trying to tell you that how you say it and the words you use to say it is signally important in the result that you get and the result that applies in your own heart. You can say many things in different ways. A lot of the content of it, a lot of the result, and a lot of the interpretation and reception of it is based on how you say it as well as what you say. But I will tell you that there is no way for you to change. You may do it immediately like I just did. But after something has been said and settled and people have heard what you said, it is very difficult, but impossible, really, to go and take that back and change that. That's why our words are so important. The things that we say are signally important. Now, what was the first thing you said when you got up this morning? What was the first thing you said to another person this morning? What was the last thing you said to somebody before you came into church this morning? That may be what's wrong with you. It's important. It's important. The things that we say and how we say them. I'm going to tell you something. I have never told this in all of my life, though it happened many years ago. I started thinking about it this week. 
and it really came fresh to my memory. And in all the years since it happened, I've never forgotten it. And I was just a teenager when I heard this. I had not gone off to college yet. I was still in my local church. And there was a disturbance that was happening within the church. doesn't matter what caused it, whose fault it was, what the result. There was a disturbance going on. And there was a young man at that time, I would say he was probably in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, very prominent in that church where I was saved and where I had been a member and, and, and the, I count and consider my home church. And he, and he was an outstanding young man. He sang. He was a, a soloist who sang. He, uh, he and his wife had inherited a business from his mother and father who had come to, the, to this country as immigrants and founded a very successful business. This young man and his wife had inherited that business. They were all still working it together, but it was known that it was becoming his and his wife's. And, and, they, and they had a very good life. They were affluent and respected in the church, highly appreciated. And I had a personal relationship with this young man. I was younger, and he had kind of taken me under, my, under his arms. He was, he was the first person. This is how well I remember him. He was the first person to teach me how to tie a Windsor knot in my tie. That's the one that goes up, up and down, not just straight down. So that's, that's a Windsor knot I've got right now. He taught me how to tie this knot in my tie. He took me under his wing and really helped me and encouraged me. There were times when the youth groups went off, and he was a sponsor of one of them, and, 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 and we would be together. I remember more than one time. We shared a room together and, and prayed at night before we went to bed. And, uh, and on this particular occasion, I don't know what had happened to him. I know that a lot of things had been developing. And, and this, is, this is very meaningful to me because as I go on and tell you this whole story, I hope you'll see more and more why, why it is good. And, and I don't know why I've never told this before. It's not that I've forgotten it. My memory about it is very vivid. But for some reason, I have never told this in a sermon in a pulpit or anywhere before. I may not have ever even discussed it with anybody before except my very, very best friend who died about three years ago. And uh, so on this Sunday night after the service, our church huddle at the altar and, and right on the side of the altar, that was kind of a little overflow room. The overflow room was probably maybe a little bit larger of this section of our pews right here. And, and in that overflow room, people often said the whole church would be full. And on Sunday nights, there would be a full church. And uh, this Sunday night after the service, after the altar service, I got up and was walking back. And I walked into that little side room, that overflow room. And as I walked in there, Johnny, the man I'm talking about, was standing in front of the pastor and was castigating him in the most abusive verbal language that I... Now, now, before I was saved, I knew what bad language was. I was one of the worst users of bad language in my whole crowd. I'd say things that would cause even my, my uh, contemporaries, who didn't care what they said either, I'd say things that would cause them to 
cringe and their ears to, to burn. So I knew what bad language was, but I'd been saved from it by that time. I'd been saved and delivered from it. I, was, I knew what sin was, and I knew, I knew some things you said were sin. I was standing there now, a teenager in high school, and I'm hearing this person who is a role model to me, greatly admired by me, saying these things to the pastor of the church. And I don't remember any words except this one part. I know all that he said was abusive, and he was in anger speaking out at him, spewing words out at him. He never told me why. I never heard why after that, although I can surmise and put things together what I think. But the important thing is I heard him say things like, he said, you're just, you're not a real preacher. You're not a preacher of the word. You're just a clock preacher. All you do is preach by the clock. And he went on and on and on and on and on and on. I saw that pastor stand there looking withered, looking bewildered, and saying, kind of trembling, what have I ever done? What have I done? is it? And Johnny just kept on. I cannot, I am not making this correlation. I'll leave this to you. I'm just going to tell you what happened. Things went on in that church and over a little period of time, not too long, sometime after that, the pastor resigned to leave and, and uh, left, actually left the state and moved to another state. Later on, in later years, after I was credentialed to preach, actually before that, while I was still in college, he invited me to come down to Georgia and preach a revival in his church, which I did. But by that time, things had changed in Johnny's life. He and his wife, he and his wife, as I said, were, were rather affluent. They had one of the leading florist business in the town of Goldsboro, North Carolina. And uh, shortly after that, they were missing church. Things were different. You could tell it. And the next thing I heard, within the next year or so, he and his wife were divorced. Things changed in their business as well, contention and, and various things. And, and uh, the last time I saw him was when I made a trip back to my hometown. Years later, I was way down here in Florida years ago. This was not maybe within the last seven or eight years. I was up there in Goldsboro, North Carolina with my brother and my dear friend that I've spoken of so many times. And we said, hey, let's go by the shop and see if Johnny's there. We, none of us had seen him for years. Let's go by and see if he's there. We weren't in. Someone said, well, is he still living? Well, you know, by that time, he's, he was up in his 80s by that time. But we went to the shop, and he was there. Walked in to see him, reminded him of who I was, and he knew me. All thought about all the old times. And then he began to speak in a belittling way of the ministry, knowing, of course, that I was a preacher. That I always had been, you know, basically all my life. I knew I was a preacher. And he started talking in a belittling way about the ministry, about preachers. And I said, well, John, you know I am one. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sure, I know. They didn't stop. And so finally we said, hey, well, it's good to see you. God bless you. We just wanted to come by and see how you're doing. Well, he had said enough by that to let me know how he was doing. So we shook hands with him and blessed him. And didn't, I didn't offer to pray for him because I figured he was going to reject it if I did. We just shook hands with him and walked out and left. And all three of us, my brother and my friend and I said, well, what else? Maybe this is what we should have expected. 
Now, I'm not going to connect that the failure of his life and the disappointment of his life and the, all that happened in his life and a downward trend on what he did standing before that preacher that Sunday night. I'm not going to say it not related to that. I'm not making that connection myself. I'll let you do that. But I am going to say this. When you say, when you speak words that are damaging and harmful and malevolent and intended to be so towards another person, then you have a charge before God and you will stand responsible for that. I don't care who it is, if you're talking to a sinner, if you're talking to a saint, if you're talking to a friend or if you're talking to an enemy, if you're talking to a relative or somebody unknown, you will face that at the judgment seat of Christ if you're a child of God. You will face that and you will be judged for it and you will have to account for it because that's what the Bible says. So, I do not know. I would think that by today, Johnny has, has died. Either that or he's maybe close to 100 years old. But I don't know. I never kept up with him after that. I don't think my friend or my brother did either. We just let it go. I am going to tell you this. When you, and, and this man, not only... I'm not saying, he, I don't know what his issues were with that pastor. I have no idea, never tried to find out, don't want to know. But I do know that there are consequences when you disobey God's word. When you go against the clear directions and admonitions and teachings of God's word, there are consequences to be paid. And if you do that, you will pay the consequences for it. It's important that we know that the things we say are always recorded. Jesus said we give account for every idle word that's always recorded in the records of God. And it's always there. Now, beyond that, it's important also that people learn to keep the word. If you've given your word and you've made a promise, you don't have to seal it with blood. It doesn't have to be signed in a contract. You know when you've given your word to something. And when you've given your word and you've made a commitment to something, you are honor-bound and Christian-bound to keep that word unless something happens to make it impossible. I've dealt with things where I gave my word and I wanted every way I could to keep it, but it was impossible. Changes came. Circumstances were different. If I could have changed the circumstances to be able to keep my word, I would have done so. Sometimes you just can't. Those things happen. God understands it. But when you frivolously give your word and flippantly fail to keep it, then there's a charge that you have to meet before God on that. And it's important that we know that. We live by our words. A man, a woman, lives by his or her word. And it's important for us to know that. When we say something, we ought to meet it, and we ought to stand by it and live up to it. That includes your wedding, your marriage vows. That includes promises you've made to your children. That includes promises you made to your church. That includes promises you made to your friends. And most of all, it includes every promise you ever made to God. You've got to keep it, friends. You've got to keep it or face the judgment of God because of the result of it. So when Paul taught about this, he really taught it very clearly and very plainly. The Bible, the Bible is so full of all of this. I tried to just kind of put it down to the point just to bring you two or three things instead of trying to load it all on you. 
Here's something very important from the book of Ephesians. I mentioned earlier, I was talking about offerings that I've been reading in the book of Ephesians. This is one of the reasons why. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. This is the English Standard Version. Paul said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. That's what ought to be coming out of our mouths. And then to give a clearer, maybe more modern interpretation of that, here's another version of it. Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, why don't we all do that? We don't do it because we allow our carnal nature to take precedent and come, to, and, 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 and come out of our speech instead of allowing the grace that God's put in us to come up into our mouths and let the grace of God come forward. But, you know, God can change, God can change anybody with your, he can change your habits. He can change your, lift you out of your failures. And, you, and, and when you say, well, I've always done this, Pastor. This is what I heard from my mom and dad. It's what I've always learned. And I talk like this because that's the way I learned it. That's the way they talk. Shut up. Who cares? Stand up and do the right thing. Stand up and do what God wants you to do. God will change you if you'll let him. Sometimes God will change you and you don't even know he's doing it. Our good friend Bob Wojcik sitting over there. Did you know Bob and Patty been coming to the church line? Do you know them? There's so many people here that you all don't know. Wonderful people. Anyway, so Bob came up a few, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. He came up to me and said, Pastor, I've got to tell you something. I've got to give you a testimony. I asked him for permission to tell this, by the way. I don't talk about people, use their names unless I ask them if it's okay. So he said I could do it. So Bob came up and he's telling me, he said, Pastor, I had a great experience this week. I just want to tell you about it. I said, oh, okay. I was standing right over there. He said, "He said, well, this week, you know, I'm dri- I, I drive a truck, and I'm driving my truck. I'm driving down the highway, and as I drive it down the highway, a deer bolts and runs right out in front of me. And he had to, had to jam on my brakes and jam on my brakes. And as I was slamming on my brakes trying to stop my truck from hitting the deer and wrecking, I said, Jesus, Jesus. And he said, and I surprised myself. Before that, I wouldn't have said Jesus. And so I want to tell you, friends, if you sit under the teaching long enough, it'll sink in. If you listen to enough of it, it'll soak in. If you pay attention to it, you'll begin to comprehend it. You may not even know the changes that have taken place, but when you start trying to do what you're taught that God's Word wants you to do and you should do, you will find a change coming about, and it may come even as a surprise to you. But it will if you let it. It will if you let it. So so do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is what Paul wrote to the Colossians, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. It expands it quite a bit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now 
rid yourselves completely of all these things. Now listen, rid yourself completely of all these things. I'm getting ready to tell you something now. And I, Wait a minute, I'm going to say this. I'm getting ready to tell you something that Paul said. I don't want this just to be from Bill. I want this to be from Paul. And it is. This is what Paul said. Now, rid yourselves completely of all these things. Colon. Then he starts listing them. First, anger. Rage. That's the step up from anger. Malice. That's bad motives, bad intentions. You know when you do it, it's wrong, but you do it in trying to be wrong. Malice. Slander. Libel is when you print it and you say something false and untrue about people. Slander is when you go around telling it and damaging people with your words. That's slander. We sometimes call it gossip. Not much difference in it. And obscene or abusive, filthy, vulgar language. Don't let any of that come out of your mouth, he said. And he said it so quietly that everybody just sat there. Nobody said a word. Oh, God, somebody's been talking about me. Somebody has told him about me this week. No, nobody said a word to me about any one of you here. Haven't heard a word about anything that you said, anything that your wife said to you. Or the husband said for wife, I've not heard anything about anybody. It's been remarkably quiet this week. That's why this is one of the weeks I could preach this. So, <laughs> no, no, that's the office. So, so, don't let any of this come out of your mouth, is what he said. And it should not come out of your mouth. You have a control over that as much as the Holy Spirit has control over other things in your life that you let him have, and he will give you control over your mouth if you will let him do that. I suggest if you want something to back up things that I'm saying this morning, that you read James chapter 3. You don't even have to read the whole little short chapter. Just read the first segment of it. And it talks about taming the tongue. James chapter 3, if you want to make a note of that and write it down or remember, James chapter 3. Just read the read the whole chapter, it's fine. But the first segment of the chapter is what really teaches what I'm trying to tell you today. And it's very strong, very pointed, very plain, even plainer than what I've been saying here this morning when you read James. So I recommend that you do that. I'm not going to take time to read it. I'm just going to suggest that you read it. And so then, you know, I'm going to, this, this may be a slight digression Sometimes I do that. I like to tell you when I'm doing that so that you'll know that I know it and don't think I just lost my train of thought and wandered somewhere. You know. So this may be a slight digression, but sometimes we say things and sing things and, and we just repeat things that are not necessarily accurate, not necessarily true. I heard a, one of the songs we were singing this morning, and I'm not complaining about the song. It's okay. It's no big deal. And I'm just saying that we say things that are, and we sing things and we even sometimes maybe preach things that we've just learned by habit and not learned by accuracy in the Word of God. It may not be completely true. One of the songs, I was just kind of, I just thought of it a little bit of amusement this morning because I talk about these kind of things a lot, not in the pulpit, but out of the pulpit. That song was song about Cover the Earth. And it's a good song. It's a really good song. And, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the lines in the song says, all 
of the nations adore thee. Well, don't we wish that were true? <laughs> don't, we wish, don't we wish the United States of America adored him? And certainly don't we wish the Soviet Union and Iran and Saudi Arabia and many other places that we could keep on naming, including France and Belgium and Great Britain, don't we wish they adored him? But, you know, but we, can, we can still sing about it because one day they will. One day they will. Maybe that's what the writer intended. Someday, someday, this whole earth will adore him. And when that day comes, we'll be present to give him the glory and the praise for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I told you I would come back to the point that I started with, which was say what God says. If you will find what God says about every situation, and when that situation comes up, you speak that word of faith, that word of wisdom, that word of knowledge, that word of discernment, that word of prophecy that the Lord gives to his spirit-led people, you will say and speak the right thing. The Bible says that we can have the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in us. And in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can have just what I named, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, word of prophecy, word of discernment, all of that. All of that by the Holy Spirit. But the only way that you can say what God says, now hear this carefully, the only way that you can say what God says is for you to know what he says about any situation. If you don't know what he said, you can't say it. So you need to find out in your Bible, with you and God, the Holy Spirit leading you, teaching you, check it and check its correspondence with other people and other teaching. Find out what God says about you, about your friends, about your family, about your life about your circumstances, about your plans, about your future, about anything and everything. Find out what God says about it, and then you say what God says. Give God's word about it. When the devil comes to attempt to, to destroy you and try to plant fear in your heart, that song we sang this morning, he's removed fear. He's led me out of fear because I declare I am a child of God. When you're a child of God, you declare it, you make it known. It isn't, you say, well, I just don't feel worthy to do that. You don't have to be worthy. You never will be. But what you have to do is believe the Word of God. The Bible says you are a new creation in Christ. Get rid of all that filth and that carnality and all of that disgusting element of the world that the devil wants to flow through your life and through your mouth. Get rid of that. Say no to that. And say yes to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is praise Him, praise Him. Give him the glory. Testify, I am a child of God. I am a new creation in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of who I am, but because who Jesus is. And because he says, that's who I am. That's when you say what God says. You say what God says. So when somebody comes to you and you feel like you need to join in, whatever it may be, but you know that it is not godly nor spiritual. And when you know it, you either remove yourself from it or, or when you speak, you speak what God says. That's the antidote 
to every negative thing. That's the antidote when you say what God says. Now, I feel like I might need to cover this just a little bit. I'll do it quickly. I feel like I might need to offer a little bit of salve for the wounds that some of you may have today. (laughs) I may have said some things today that make you think, well, I'll never get anywhere with God. Because you know who you are, and you know what you are, and you know, you know, you know what you say, you know what your life is, you, you know better than anybody else does, except the person that lives closest to you, and you know where you fail. And I'm not trying to bring condemnation to you in failure. I'm not trying to add and, and, and solidify that failure. I, my intention today is to say to you, by the grace of God, you can overcome. By the grace of God, you can change. By the grace of God, you can make it different. But you can't do it without God's grace, without God's power, without the whole anointing of the Holy Spirit, and without the Word of God. You've got to have that. But when you have that, then you have victory. You can say, fear, leave me alone. You have no more control over me. It is gone. It is done. Devil, get out of my way. What you say doesn't matter because what you say is not God's Word. What I'm standing on is what God's Word says. And I'm not going to say what you say. I'm not going to say what the world says. I'm not going to say what convention says. I'm not going to say what education tells me to say. I'm going to say what God's Word says. I'm going to say what God says because I believe what God says is the ultimate truth for eternity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I've kind of plowed through with a deep furrow today. (laughs) Some of you people don't have a clue what I just said. (laughs) You don't have an idea what I'm talking about. And I'm not enough of a farmer to make it clear, but when (laughs) I need somebody else to go here and tell you, but when you plow, you know, you can you set your blade to plow deep or you do it to plow shallow. It depends on what you need. You set your blade to plow shallow and the mule, or in these cases today, the tractor, pulls the plow along and it cuts into the ground where you set the blade to cut it. You get deeper for some things you're going to plant than for others. Some things you want to be kind of close to the surface. Some things you want to set the blade so it cuts way down deep. Well, this morning I set the blade so it cut kind of way down deep. <laughs> so I've tried to say some things to you that I believe are significant and certainly true that I believe will be helpful when we turn ourselves to believing what God says and decide that what we say, when we speak, we're going to speak as God speaks. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly is what we're taught. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Let the fullness of God's Word dwell in you. And the more the fullness of God's Word is there, the more what you speak will be what God says. you believe that? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me in prayer, please. It may be that you are today...